Welcome to the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. We're going to explore ways to sharpen our diagnostic skills, find learning resources, and hear from experts in the automotive field. Hey, have you ever been faced with the challenge of sourcing, installing, and programming a used control module in a vehicle? I know a lot of us have. It seems to be happening more and more often today with the volume of control modules on vehicles, the cost of some new ones, or even the availability of new control modules. In some cases, used may be the only option. So what do you do here? I strongly recommend checking out SJ Auto Solutions and Tommy Oliva. Tommy offers a cloning service for used control modules to make these things plug and play for the vehicle that you're working on. In a lot of cases, he is also able to source the control modules if you're unable to locate one for the vehicle that you're working on. But once you get connected with Tommy, he's going to offer fantastic support from start to finish to make sure that that control module is going to work in your application. He's also got tech support that he offers through his website, along with some free resources there as well on information about used control module programming. So make sure to check out SJ Auto Solutions. I can't recommend that enough. Hey, what's going on automotive world? Welcome to another episode of the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. My name is Sean Tipping. I'll be your host once again for today's show. Joining me on the show this week is Vince Darling. Vince is a certified financial advisor, and uh, we're taking a little bit of a left turn from our normal stuff that we have on the program. Uh, you know, usually it's technical or real dialed into the automotive world, uh, but Sometimes on the show, if you've been listening for a while, you know, I kind of will go off track a little bit, but I try to make it about things that support you and enable you to do your job, right? Like physical health and financial health is the other one. Um, And that's what we're going to be talking about today, really in the thought of retirement savings and retirement plans and how that looks what the scenario is as far as you know looking for one with an employer uh, what are the plans out there what are your options as an employer and an employee and how do you even tackle this and get your head wrapped around it so we're going to talk about all that and more um really great discussion if you're interested in anything like this maybe you don't have any type of retirement plan set up maybe you're looking to get into something um it's just it's really good information to think about, especially if you're a younger person. Uh, getting started early is uh, really key to this, and you'll hear us talk about that. But um, before we jump into the episode, I also want to thank everybody at Vision 2024 that I got to meet. Uh, it was awesome. Talked to a whole bunch of people. Uh, sorry if it was brief at times. I was running around all over the place, but uh, really, really cool to get to put some uh, names to faces and. Uh, spend some time hanging out with everybody. That was a great event and uh, looking forward to next time. So with that out of the way, let's jump into the episode. All right. Good evening, Vince. How's it going? Good evening, Sean. It's going well. Good. Going well, Happy Friday. Yeah, you too. Anybody ever call you Vinny? 
You know, some of my relatives do. Okay. Um, not much anymore. My fiance does sometimes. Okay. <laughs> but besides that, uh, Vinny has kind of went out. A lot of people call me Vincent. Okay. Is that your actual name? It's not. Oh, okay. So uh, uh, I don't mind if people call me Vincent, but uh, if my mom overhears, uh, she's a little frustrated. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, it's going to be Vinny from now on. For okay. me, so. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, well, thank you for joining me on the show here. Uh, this one uh, is going to be a little different than what we normally do. It's automotive. Uh, a lot of it's real technical. You know, we touch on various issues throughout the industry too, like um, things that you're experiencing while you're at work with your employers, employees, but most of it's technical based. That's the premise of the show. But I also like to go over things that make a difference to the majority of people listening that can support or enable them to do their job. Right. Cause that's what the show is about is like, how do I do my job better? Or how do I learn more about doing my job? But what are the behind the scenes things that support that or allow that to happen? And I think financial stability and, uh, just competency is a really important one that I know that a lot of people maybe not even struggle with. I'm sure there are plenty of people that struggle with it, but just don't have a whole lot of knowledge about it. And I can, you know, put myself in that bucket going back, you know, many years ago and growing up, didn't get any education on it. Didn't really, didn't really know besides kind of watching like mistakes my parents made and mistakes other people made myself and just kind of stumbled through it yeah. and not by, I'm not by any means an expert. Um, but, um, I've tried to absorb as much as I can as I go to try to try to get better at, but anyways, I, I think it's really important just for anybody to know about. And I'm sure you can speak that too, is it kind of applies to everybody regardless of what walk of life you're in. And so that's why I wanted to have you on the show is to kind of talk about that. Yeah. Sean, you made really great points there. I mean, uh, just like any specialty. I mean, finance is a specialty. It takes time to research, figure out exactly what it is. It's so like much jargon. <laughs> yeah, so much financial jargon. It's the same thing with, uh, you know, fixing cars. It's like, yeah, you know, I could, you know, do some basic things, maybe change some brakes, the oil, mm -hmm. you know, but besides that, like I'm not taking out engines, I'm not diagnosing, um, because that took time for you to learn. Uh, mm -hmm. It takes people on this podcast who listen to learn these uh, traits and, and they probably sound like they're talking in a foreign language to maybe their buddies that aren't car guys. Sure. It's just another, um, like I said, specialty that yep. um, if you take the time to learn, you, you, you get better at it. Mm -hmm. And the more time you spend in it, the better you get. And something where it makes sense to hire somebody who actually knows what they're talking about too, right? Because you only have so much bandwidth to learn so many different things and absorb different things. And there is a time and I'm finding more and more aspects of life as I go that it just is like, yeah, I'm just going to hire the person that knows this stuff that has dedicated you know, tens of thousands of hours to getting better at this one thing that I'm never going to have that amount of time. So even if I want to be competent in it, I'll, I'll never know as much as that person. I can just hire them and it makes my life easier and I can be more successful in that area. So, yeah. Yeah. That brings up a good point too. It's like you're, you're a business owner yourself mm -hmm. and you know, you're, 
you get to the point where your hours are worth a certain amount of money yeah, per hour. Right, right. So then you start to weigh out. I didn't really, you don't really think about it when you're, um, you, you don't own, but even if you think that you're getting paid 20 some dollars an hour, yeah. um, you know, if you can hire someone to do that work for you for less than that, yep. I, then I, it would be a benefit. I, I remember when I like that clicked with me and I, I think it, it took me a certain time in my career to be making a certain amount of money, right? Because when you start off, you're not making a whole lot of money. So if you can do something for yourself, you are saving yourself at that point because you're, you know, maybe $15 an hour. Okay. Well, you know, I, I can't spend, you know, a thousand dollars. That's going to take me a long time to make that. So exactly. if I can do that myself, even if it takes me a large amount of time, it's still worth it. But then as you progress and as you're able to make more per hour, business owner or employee, then, then that time becomes more valuable because it's like, okay, well, I just spent three hours. How much money could I have made? Oh, it would have cost me less just to pay somebody to do it. And <laughs> yeah. it would have been done better and right. <laughs> I, I, yeah. So yeah. that, that is a really important thing to understand for somebody if they don't already. Um, but yeah, uh, let's, um, let's start off with, I mean, this is really, I think the majority of people that are listening are employed, they're, they're employees at a shop technicians. And traditionally, and I know there's a wide range of different places you can work for and different setups and structures, but traditionally there wasn't a whole lot for retirement planning. And I know that's a big part of what you do, but, um, we can start off just by talking about that and, and maybe you could just start off with like what you do exactly yeah. and how you got into it. And then we can kind of go from there. Yeah. So, um, I'm a, uh, financial planner. Uh, I work, um, with the Stonebridge group of focus financial. We're actually based in Forest Lake, Minnesota. Definitely. A, it's a Northern suburb of, uh, Minneapolis. Uh, and from there, you know, I really got into the business because I actually was involved in uh, stocks, uh, mutual funds, ETFs, really investing in general when I was about in high school. So in high school, uh, you know, I was working um, full time um, if at least 30 hours a week. And, you know, if you live at home, you know, your expenses are pretty low. Yeah. I started putting away uh, quite a bit of money during those years. And because of that, um my mother actually told me to reach out to um, an uncle of ours to start investing. Okay. So at that point, I was like, oh, I, I get it. Um, this is a value. There's a reason why a lot of people do it. You know, yeah. it's, it's money that can start working for you. And that's when I knew I wanted to get into it. So I ended up going to um, school at a community college for the first year uh, in a northern suburb of Minnesota. And then I ended up getting a financial planning degree, uh, actually up at, uh, UMD, uh, the university of Minnesota Duluth in upper M Northern Minnesota. Okay. Um, and from there, uh, I knew I wanted to be on the personal side of finance. So yeah. not so much, you know, sitting down doing, um, Excel spreadsheets all day for <laughs> P and L's for these yeah. large companies. I yeah. wanted to sit down and actually talk with people of how I can make a difference in their lives. Okay. And that's what led me down to being a financial planner. So I help, you know, all sorts of people, people just starting out, uh, people navigating, uh, are they taking advantage of every possible way with extra income that they have mm -hmm. to 
now they're not working. They're either uh, selling a business or they're moving into retirement. So then it's, you know, how do we keep this money to last um, until, um, you know, that one day that we're no longer on this earth. Uh, That's where it gets a little morbid. But uh, (laughs) other than that, but that's kind of my background, why I got into it. Uh, Like I said, I I started at a young age. and uh, Yeah, I'd say that's pretty unusual for like a, a young kid to decide to do that with their money. It's usually... You know, maybe, maybe somebody in their life is telling them to do that. Maybe, but if, whether they listen or not, I mean, I know I was awful at saving any type of money, let alone investing <laughs> it at that age as all, you know, what, what can I buy with this? Or if I'm saving up for something, it was to buy some major purchase, a car or yeah. something like that, you know? Um, so that's, yeah, that's interesting. Um, but I mean, that's, that's where it's at. You start early and that's such an advantage. I mean, that's, that's the whole thing is the time in the market is the key to success or what do they say that the best investors are dead. (laughs) Yeah, uh, exactly. I mean, the, the, you know, the biggest saying that you hear all the time, you know, uh, time in the market is better than timing the market. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're going to hear those one-off stories from your buddies that, hey, I had yeah, this thing yeah. perform very well. Uh, and Sorry, we have the dog joining yeah, the podcast here. So that's fine. Rep. She's, she's a part of the show. Everybody was, hears her caller when we're recording. So Yeah, <laughs> full of energy. Yeah. And uh, I'm trying to think where I was. Then there's the... Uh, um, Oh, you know, your, your buddy's always going to say what's performed well. And, and, you know, all of a sudden your buddy becomes the best stock picker. Uh, and I had some, a lot of friends that were really good at stocks from like the end of 2020 to 22. Yep. (laughs) That's when uh, they start coming out and uh, telling you about all their gains and, and all of a sudden markets start going down and you don't hear from them anymore. (laughs) Uh, or they stopped yeah. or, uh, I'm thinking of somebody specifically where it was all he was talking about for that period of time. And I haven't heard anything about it. Yeah. Since. <laughs> it's very common. And this, yeah. this whole time in the market, yes, you're going to have your, your, you know, yeah. maybe lucky picks, but you know, it's not anything till you sell out. Mm-hmm. If you keep it in there and it goes back down, you know, you're, you're back to square one. So yeah, it's a fun ride. Um, you know, being when I was in high school, I have had more time in the market and I've seen mm-hmm. uh, the benefit from it personally. Mm-hmm. And that's another reason why, you know, there's a lot of advisors out there that might start with, hey, we don't talk to you unless you have a certain amount of assets. Mm. Um, and I always thought that wasn't a way to look at it. Um, yeah. And the main reason is by the time some people have that amount of assets, they're in their 50s, 60s. Well, I've run into the other side where it was, they didn't have that amount of assets by the time they're 50 or 60. Now they don't know what to do. They want to retire, but they got nothing to uh, retire with. So that was always a goal of mine getting into it is how can I reach a a younger clientele to get started, put their, uh, you know, best foot forward in their investing. uh, Because, you know, if you can add 10, 20 years to investing, um, just compound interest itself can do wonders yeah, for people. Yeah, the, the, the compounding is, it's amazing when you really sit down and do the math of it. And that's, that's where the time comes into play. Uh, and that, I mean, that's an important concept too, is just the idea that, Hey, someday 
you're going to want to retire most people at some point and to actually that's what a lot of this is about is to actually have something in place and start planning for that now because some people get there and like you say they don't really have anything or they're uh, there's you know hey my social security is going to be my income at that point yeah and you know and they, there's not a whole lot else to go with and i know some people like that and that's as a rough situation to be in. So I guess part of the message for this talk is like somebody who maybe hasn't put much thought towards it. Maybe they, they can start thinking about, okay, well, what do I have in place if anything? And then if not, what potential things could I be, could I be doing? Um, and so there's, there's probably two different situations out there. I mean, I know there's lots of options and you can talk about those, but there's probably one person who has an option through an employer, mm-hmm. you know, some sort of sponsored plan through the employer, like 401k or an IRA or something like that. And then the individual who does not have that option, whether the employer doesn't offer anything or they're self-employed. Um, and so they don't have, they don't have anything just set up for them. Um, I don't know, maybe we can just take those two different routes and what people can consider what they can do. Yeah. So, you know, I consider this, uh, you know, we can even back up one more and, and just say, Hey, this is the building block or building blocks of finance. And when I talk about that, it's, you know, what do we have to do first? First things first, we got to get enough in the bank where if something happens, you know, we can cover it. And when I talk about that, probably hear it all the time it's an emergency fund sure you know what should we be keeping in something like that this is you know something that probably sits in either a savings account or a high yield savings account yeah um you know this is three to six months of expenses think of it this way you know between a house payment or maybe your rent Mm -hmm. uh, and everything it you spend on a monthly basis let's say it's you know three thousand dollars a month okay uh well we would like uh Personally, when I when I give advice, I'm like, well, let's have at least three months, so that's mm-hmm. nine thousand, or up to six months, and that you know nine thousand to eighteen thousand, or anywhere in between. Mm-hmm. So in that case, I might be saying, hey, let's have ten thousand sitting in a savings account. Mm-hmm. That right there can be tough for many people, and because of that, it's. I bring that up because what could happen is people start investing before they get this building block emergency fund going. Sure. So what will happen is uh, life happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know what that is. Health problems come up unexpectedly. Um, people that own houses, things are breaking all mm-hmm. the time. Yeah. Maybe you have an animal that you have to bring to a vet, large vet bill, sure. cars break down. Yep. This is what it's for. Uh, and we don't want someone to be investing in the market mm-hmm. if this happens at a time when markets are down now they're uh you know they put fifteen thousand dollars into an investment they need fifteen thousand dollars but the market's gone down so now they only have ten thousand dollars right so to avoid that we have what's called an emergency fund sitting in that savings account three mm-hmm. to six months of expenses sitting in a high yield savings account or a savings account don't touch in case of an emergency mm-hmm once we have that, now it's how can we make our other money, other income work more efficiently? And we'll start with what you were talking about. Uh, let's talk about someone that has a 401k uh, or a simple IRA through their work. Mm-hmm. 
pretty much what those accounts are is uh, the business owner will set one up for their employees as an incentive to work at their establishment. Mm-hmm. And from there, uh, they're going to offer, most of them offer a match, not all. And all that means is, hey, you know, I want to help you build your retirement as well. So the business owner might say uh, to their employee, hey, I'm going to give you a 3% match. Meaning if you put 3% of your income into this 401k, Mm -hmm. I'm also going to put 3% on your behalf. Um, They do that for, like I said, variety of reasons. One is for uh, employee retention as Mm -hmm. a benefit. Uh, Secondly is actually uh, their matches get tax deductions as well. As an employer, that means more to you. As an employee, that tax deduction means nothing to you. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's a place to start. Uh, I always say, take advantage of the full match. Uh, You know, that that's free money. Exactly. It's free money that you get. And um, you know, by not taking advantage of it, it mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. Um, now from there it's, it's how do we, um, plan accordingly from that? So a lot of 401ks now have an option of a 401k traditional or a 401k Roth. And a lot of people will get their paperwork when they sign up and be like, I don't care. This doesn't <laughs> yeah. mean anything to right. me. Um, they work two different ways. Uh, traditional is pretty much giving you a tax benefit now, meaning let's make it easy. You make 50,000, you put Mm -hmm. 3000 into your 401k. Now you're only taxed on 47,000 of your income. Okay. You get a tax break, uh, for contributing for your retirement. Uh, the Roth on the other side, uh, you make the same $50,000, put 3000 into the Roth 401k. Well, you're still going to owe tax on $50,000 of your income, but that $50,000 now can grow within that account. And at age 59 and a half, um, you're able to take that out tax-free. With the growth too. With the growth. So if that, uh, you know, you end up putting 30,000 in it and it grows to Mm 60,000, now you can take 60,000 out tax-free. Yeah. that's how our 401k traditional or Roth works. And okay. normally as a, as a rule of thumb, if you're in the beginning stages of your earning in your career, mm-hmm. it's going to make more sense to start with a Roth uh, just because you're going to get um, a bigger benefit because you're not trying to reduce your taxes. You're right. already in a lower income tax bracket. Yep. yep. So uh, you're not going to get that benefit from the traditional side. Right. Now, once you're in, you know, the higher earning years, you know, it might make sense to transition to more of a traditional setting or the just normal 401k um, to take more advantage and reduce your taxes. Yeah. Trying to consider, uh, okay, yeah, how, what is the percentage of my income that's being taxed right now and what could be later, which is obviously hard to predict. But like you say, you know, if you're... If you're in your 40s, okay, I'm probably somewhere near my peak of earning and it's going to be the highest that I'm in. Or if I'm 21 and just starting, odds are my income's going to increase, you know, over the next few decades. Exactly. You can kind of make a decision that way. Exactly. So it's always this game that you play between the two um, to, you know, try to maximize both. Um, So that's if your employer offers uh, something uh, for your retirement. Well, uh, I know in the um, industry that you're in, Sean, not all of them offer something. So this might be something you have to go do yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, When it comes to retirement accounts yourself, you have the option. You can't open a 401k for yourself, 
but you can open up what's called a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA. They work very similar with the 401k and Roth 401k. Um, one thing to keep in mind, um, they have limits of how much you can put in even the 401k does. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I know, I I think for 2024, uh, you're only able to put, uh, 7,000 in, Mm um, into a traditional or a Roth or between the two. So you could put Mm 3,500 in a traditional and 3,500 in a Roth, but the max is 7,000. Okay. Gotcha. Um, as far as 401ks, you can put a lot more in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's now up to 23500 Okay. Uh, and if you're um, actually over 50 for any of them, you can put an additional uh, 7000 in for the 401k, so a total of 30500 Okay. As a Roth or traditional, you can put an additional $1,000. So that 7000 gets brought up to 8000 Gotcha. Um. But these are things that you can start yourself. Uh, you know, you can work with an advisor to help you set one of these up. Or mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of establishments out there right now that you can just go online and set up an account for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the biggest thing that people uh, forget is it's just the holding tank of the money. Um, people think that because they put money in a Roth, it's now invested. Mm -hmm. And that's probably the biggest misconception I hear all the time. Um, Roth is just the way it's, it's the tank that it sits in of how it's going to be taxed. Okay. Now in there, you can invest in many different things. Um, but if you just put it in there, it's just going to sit in cash. It's like a money market fund or something. It's a money market fund. It's not going to be making much. Um, that's a huge problem for especially accounts that you plan on having for the next 30, 40 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's just sitting in cash for 30 of them, you're not going to earn much interest. Right, but, right. Uh, you know, you laugh here, Sean, but I've seen it. <laughs> um, and Wait, that's, I thought that was invested. <laughs> yeah. They said, well, I have money invested in a Roth and we go to look oh, at boy. it and it's been sitting in cash. Yikes. Wow. Um, while the market's been going up for the last 20 years. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, so from there, I always say, you know, you can open up these accounts, put money in, but now that the money is in the account, you got to invest it. Yeah. 401ks are easier because the investments, you have a lineup you can choose from. And a lot of them now have an automatic. They yeah. take your age and then they just put you in something called a target date fund. Yep. Um, the one at Firestone that I had was that way. Cause I don't, I never picked anything. I just set the, you know, percentage that I was going to contribute and that was it. And the rest just happened. So yeah, I'm sure it was something very similar to that. Exactly. So that's, they've started introducing that just because it's, uh, they don't want people to run into these problems for the money sits in cash the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, but from there, you know, in a 401k, normally it's pretty basic. There's normally a list of funds you can choose from. Mm-hmm. Um, and you choose the percentages there, or you just pick a, maybe a portfolio that they offer, uh, within the account. Roth's traditionals, um, some, uh, places out there actually you set one up and they have a portfolio for you. Uh, but some, you have to choose the investment. So, uh, within that investment, it can be ranged from a very aggressive investment mm-hmm. or a very uh, conservative investment. Okay. And this is where it gets a little technical and, right. and where it gets confusing for many people. Cause you read online, I'll just invest in an ETF. Yeah. Um, 
invest in this, uh, invest uh-huh. in that. Yeah. Index and, funds to hear a lot. Yeah. Index you know. funds is going around a lot. And, you know, I asked, I just had a call today that was very similar. They said, um, you know, I was told to invest in an index fund and I asked them where they read that and they read it online. Mm-hmm. Um, they said, do you do index funds? I said, well, yeah, but you know, does, does the index fund match kind of your goal that you're trying to achieve? And that's where a lot of confusion is, is there's so much information online yeah. that it just, they try to dumb it down a lot where now it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what's an index fund? Why don't we start there? <laughs> um, what's being you know tossed around? Sure. Yeah. Um, an index fund is just a fund that replicates a uh, given benchmark. The biggest one out there is the S&P 500. Okay. S&P 500, think of it as, you know, 500 of the largest U.S. companies. There's a little more than 500, but uh, for this conversation, Mm -hmm. largest 500 companies. So pretty much when you're putting money into this fund, you're diversifying yourself through 500 different companies. Okay. Because at the end of the day, when we're we're talking stocks, stocks is just your ownership in a company. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. If that company starts doing well, well, your stock is going to go up. If that Mm -hmm. company is not doing well, your stock's going to go down. Sure. Let's keep it, you know, very basic. Mm -hmm. Now those index funds is just all those different companies in one group and you track that certain benchmark. Uh, So the S&P 500, you probably see it on TV. Sure. Uh, You hear about it online. Yeah. Yeah. New all time high, Uh you know, recently. Yeah. Um, And from there, a good way to track that is if the S&P goes up, you're making money. If the S and P is going down, you're losing money mm-hmm. for those index funds that track that benchmark. Uh-huh. Now index funds can uh, match any benchmark. There's okay. a lot of different benchmarks out there. There's one that can track the Dow Jones. Mm-hmm. There's ones that track the NASDAQ is another large one. And then there's other ones that track, you know, internationally. Sure. Um, and ones that track bonds. Um, these are all different ones uh, that they're mm-hmm. just an index to that um, that benchmark. Yeah. So you're just your investments are just going to reflect that portion of the market as a whole. Correct. And um, and which I, I think is why is so, that is so popular is because it makes sense because the market over time has always gone up. So. Hey, I'm just going to put my money in there and it's going to go up. Maybe it's not the percentage of if I picked Tesla in 2008 or whatever, but Hey, it's, you know, still X percent over amount of time up with, with almost uh, nothing's a guarantee, but almost a guarantee that you're going to see over time an increase in it. So would you say it's like a safe bet for people or is it more of just kind of like a passive thing where you don't have to think about it? It's more of a passive thing. I think safety is not the right word. It's tough with investments. But yeah, yeah, yeah. but it is passive. It's a way that you don't have to think about it and you're betting on the U.S. economy. Sure. sure. That's pretty much the bet that you're making. Yeah. Now you can, you know, like you said, select individual stocks out of there. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but then you run into the problem where, uh, you're not diversified. So meaning if you decided to pick company ABC to invest in Mm -hmm. and company ABC loses and goes out of business, well, your money is out of business. You're, uh, you're down to zero, whatever you invested in that, Mm -hmm. um, where indexes, 
um, you know, you're picking the winners and losers. And at the end of the day, you hope that the U.S. economy is going to be growing strong so that overall you're going to be making uh, money on your money Mm -hmm. uh, through investing. Sure. Um, I am happy to have automotive seminars as a sponsor for the show. Now, if you're not familiar, Automotive Seminars is a diagnostic technician training company. They've got a website that there'll be a link to in the show notes. And what they offer is top-notch training to technicians like us in the field. I've been taking their training courses for years and have got a ton of benefit out of it. They've got top-notch instructors, John Thornton, Scott Shotton, Scott Manna. And every other month, they've got a two-night course that you can sign up for. Join in, ask questions, and afterwards, you've paid for the course, you can access a recorded version whenever you want. You can rewatch the class two years later in case you wanted some details on it. And that is a fantastic feature. So make sure to check out the website to see what courses they have available and what's coming up in the future. Well, let me ask you this. If you are a employer, right, you have employees mm-hmm. and Obviously, there's there's a lot of, again, in our industry, shops that don't offer anything. And I'm not really sure the reasoning behind everyone's decision, whether it be, you know, the financial part of it, the, hey, this is the way it's always been and we've never done that, um, or whatever the reason is. But, I mean, the way I look at it, and I think you already mentioned it, it was like it, it really is a big thing to keep employees or attract employees yeah. is to have something like that set up. Right. And I mean, from my experience, cause I got one set up for my employees, like it really wasn't that difficult of a thing to do. And I, I think it's a huge, huge benefit. So, I mean, I, I, I guess maybe you can just speak to like, Hey, it's really not, there's not that many barriers to make something like that happen. Even if you're a small company. Yeah. I, I, and I'll point to two ways to look at it. So we'll start with the employee side. We mentioned it already. Mm-hmm. You know, they have a way to save for their retirement. Um, and, you know, for a tight job market, um, you know, they're looking for ways to have extra benefits. So just right there, it's a, it's a recruiting tool as well. Um, and that draws into the employer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's say your employer with employees. Um, it's not only the the employees you're benefiting, benefiting, you're benefiting yourself. Sure. Um, depending on how much income, you know, if you run a, you know, solo shop yourself, mm-hmm. um, well, unless you want to work till you, uh, you know, pass away, <laughs> uh, most people are looking at a ways to, uh, retire from the business Yeah. and from that business, um, they want to put away money through retirement. And it's also, uh, a, I'd hate to say it, but a safety as well. Mm-hmm. You know, if you put all your money back into your business and that business ends up failing, right? well, what do you have left? Yeah. Um, and by putting in a retirement account, you have an account that you've set aside for yourself for mm-hmm. your own retirement, even if the business ended up going under, if you didn't take from it. Yeah. A lot of guys, that's their exit plan as well. Sell the shop. Exactly. Sell the business. And all that does definitely does work, you know, for some people it can backfire and the place is not worth, you know, what they 
they think it was, or, you know, nobody wants to buy that particular location for, yeah. for the money that they're asking for it, or, hey, all of these tools that you've accumulated where you were counting on the value, oh, they're all worn down and outdated, so really there's no value in any of this stuff. It's all junk, right? Yeah, because so you got to find a buyer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so that that definitely can, it can work really well if, and that I think that kind of comes down to timing too, mm-hmm. um, but then it can backfire too. So yeah, having a backup plan is, is really important even yeah. if you are the business owner. For yeah, sure. I mean, everyone thinks their business is going to last, you know, 30, 40, 50 years, but uh-huh. what if it doesn't? And right. that's what I always want to, talk about when we, we talk about setting up retirement plans. Yeah. Uh, the, the biggest immediate benefit that you receive is the tax deductions. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people aren't aware or kind of confused how they work, but uh, you know, let's just make it super simple. Let's say your business makes, you know, 200 grand, mm-hmm. you know, probably at that point you're, you're paying on the higher end 22% federal, um, if you have state tax and you add that on top. So by putting money into your own retirement through the, um, a 401k plan or a simple plan that you have is let's say you put in, you know, 20,000 into your, uh, 401k plan. Mm -hmm. Well, now that 20,000, that 200,000 that you made Mm -hmm. subtract 20,000. Now you only have to pay tax on $180,000. And when we look at that, it's like, okay, if you're paying 22% on every dollar at that point, take 20,000 times 22%. Mm -hmm. And that's how much you're saving in taxes. So just over, I think just over two grand. Um, I don't know about you, but I would like two grand to uh, (laughs) go do stuff with. (laughs) Or at least not give it to the government. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And people also don't know that, you know, we talked about matching before as an employer, you can match and that 3%, 4 5%, whatever you decide to match, mm-hmm. those dollars that you're giving to your employees also uh, reduce your income right. uh, as a benefit. So, uh, you know, maybe I'm biased just because I, I work in the industry, but I've seen the value and um, not only getting money out of your uh, business for your own retirement, but, mm-hmm. you know, the tax deductions that you can get from it as well is just uh, impressive. But Um, I know there's a lot of, um, things that pop up where, you know, like you said, the old way of doing things, they don't want to start one. What are some other objectives that you hear? Uh, is it cost? Yeah, I think think cost was definitely one that I've, I've heard before. And then, you know, Hey, we just don't do this in these small mom and pop shops Mm -hmm. or, um, yeah, I, I think those are the biggest reasons or just, yeah, that's not, that's not how we do it. Um, but yeah, cost is definitely one that I've heard come up a lot, but I mean, what you just mentioned with the tax advantage and then, um, you know, I, I got one set up for my company. Yeah. How many employees? You only have a couple employees, a couple employees. Yeah. And it really is not, uh, not a costly venture. And I mean, with all the benefits that you mentioned, um, and if for no other reason, like, I, I really do like the feeling of having something at least offered to the people that I'm employing, right? That, you know, and they can do what they want with it. They can opt out if they want, but like if they choose to contribute and then I'll match it, it's like, okay, you know, I'm helping them get something set up 
for their long-term future. And if nothing else, I just I feel good about that. Yeah. You know? like, I, I like being able to support them beyond just a paycheck. Um, that's that. I mean, that's, that's all, that's more like personal, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I feel like there's a lot of business owners out there that do care about their employees. And so that's, you know, another way to look at it is you're just offering another layer of support for the people who are there working for you every day. So, yeah, um, I think that's a great point. Yeah. Um, setting them up. Yeah. But yeah, as far as, I, I want to get back to the cost because uh, a lot of people didn't realize, a lot of people do think it's still expensive. What uh, many people don't is uh, prices on these uh, type of plans mm-hmm. have gone extremely much cheaper than they used to be. Um, so maybe you looked at one a while back ago um, and you thought it was just too expensive. Mm-hmm. I, I would say take another look because mm-hmm. it might, the co- costs have come down so much in these that, you know, it might be working for your business now, uh, just in the administrative, uh, cost associated with it, but just in the tax benefit, uh, mm-hmm. could be huge. Yeah. Um, th- so that's what I like the most about them. Um, and I think if there's people listening on this podcast that kind of are thinking about it, but don't know which way to talk or which mm-hmm. one to start, that's the other one. You have to yeah. decide which one to start. Right. Uh, Talk with a trusted professional of uh, what makes the most sense for for you as the owner. Well, that's a good thing to transition to is whether you be a business owner or even an individual, when should you consider seeking out a financial advisor or professional? And then how do you go about doing it? Like how, like... You just Google the nearest financial advisor. Yeah. Are there things you should look for? Are there red flags you should look for if you're gonna, um, you know, spend some time and money with a professional? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, just like most professions, there's good guys and bad guys, good guys in it for the right reasons, bad guys in it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there might be maybe your, you know, parents used to work with someone or, um, that's always a good place to start or talk to some colleagues that might be working with one. Mm -hmm. Um, but overall you got to do your own research. And, uh, unfortunately there's, in my mind, there's some people out there pushing more product than planning. Okay. And in the advisor space, those products, um, give advisors, big commissions. And unfortunately that's on the backs of, you know, people, um, listening in today. Mm-hmm. Um, no one wants to take, be taken advantage of. It's right. the same people that, uh, you know, there's probably different garages that might be charging extra for little things sure. that, yep. you know, it's not right, but mm-hmm. it happens. Um, but some of the red flags is, you know, if they're really focused on a product to sell you, that might not be the right avenue to go to. Okay. Um, a lot of those products are in the insurance space. Okay. Where they might be, you know, f- brought upon as an investment for your future. Um, mm-hmm. But maybe it's it's not exactly what it is. Okay. Uh, but another red flag uh, that I've seen is they maybe don't listen to what you're trying to do. Uh, okay. They already have an answer for you before you even tell mm. them your situation. Okay. 
Um, yeah, they should want to hear your goals. Exactly. Imagine, if they so. if they aren't asking you questions and already have an answer, that's okay. That means they already knew what they were going to sell you <laughs> sure. the minute you yeah, sat yeah. down. Right. Um, and unfortunately, you know, you can go off Google reviews, but um, even those those aren't always accurate. Right. Uh, because yeah. you know maybe someone was glad of someone that they worked with, um, but normally. The, the sad part is, is a lot of people leave those reviews like right after mm-hmm. they meet with someone. Yeah. Well, they might not know what they signed up for until <laughs> 10 years later. Yeah, um, yeah. So I've always had a little issue with that. Uh-huh. Um, it's just uh, fiduciary is a word that's been thrown around. Unfortunately, I think it's a little over overdone. OK. Um, they'll say they're a fiduciary, but mm-hmm. who's checking? Uh, okay. you know, who's, okay. who's listening into that phone call that they just told you that, sure, sure, sure. um, uh, I, I have a, a CFP designation, uh, certified financial planner. Okay. You know, I had to go through rigorous stuff with that, that, you know, just having that I'm, I'm into a fiduciary standard mm-hmm. and all fiduciary means is doing the best interest for your client. Okay. Uh, that's all it means. And, and you know, as myself, I want to do the best I can for my clients. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, a lot of the clients I've had are friends or, or referrals from different friends, uh, family members. And, uh, these are people I care about. So, you know, when I, I, um, work with someone new, it's just like, uh, I, I think of them as extending my family, sure. uh, and, yeah, and I want yeah. to do what's best for them. So unfortunately I don't have a, a you know, you should do this to yeah, find yeah, someone. Right. Um, well, how about when, I mean, at yeah. what point is it worthwhile? Like, what are some, some key things that you see within a business owner or, or an individual where like, wow, they could really, at this point in their life or their career, they could really use someone who knows what they're doing. Yeah. So when you're, uh, let's say younger and you're just an employee, uh-huh. um, I would say start with that emergency fund. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, gather about on top of that maybe five to ten thousand dollars, and then from there, either start an account yourself if you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. If you have any, you know, second thoughts or not sure exactly how to do it, that might be time to start talking to someone. Okay. Um, some people never need to talk to someone. They're just naturally, maybe their parents were really good at it, mm-hmm. and they just can do it themselves, and they just manage their own stuff. That's, you know, DIYers that they just, they just get it. The problem is the biggest thing I hear is I'm embarrassed. I don't want to talk about it. So -hmm. they never seek help. Okay. And that's an issue. But I would say once you have five to 10,000, um, and you don't know what you're doing, try to seek guidance in some kind of way. Okay. And don't take advice from, you know, uncle Joe, (laughs) of you know, I have this next big stock pick, Uh um, if you're hearing individual stock picks, I would stay clear. Okay. Okay. Um, as far as business owners, uh, business owners have a little different situation uh, just because, you know, in the early years of starting the business, money's going back into the business. Mm-hmm. Um, the last thing they're thinking about is investing because they just right. want to make enough cash flow mm-hmm. uh, to get going. Now, once that cash flow is set and now you're making a good income, mm-hmm. Um, you got to start ways to start reducing your taxes. You got to find ways to start putting money aside in other investments, mm-hmm. uh, other vehicles. Um, that's when they should start looking for financial help 
uh, or if they want to start a retirement plan for uh, their own company and they don't know who to talk to. Mm -hmm. Those are probably, you know, the triggers that say, oh, I should probably go find some advice. Okay. Okay. Um, You mentioned uh, before we started recording about a a tax triangle. Yeah. Um, uh, Maybe you could go into that and what that's all about because I'm curious to hear about that. Yeah. So uh, pretty much I've set something up where um, I look into putting money into three different kind of buckets and that's kind of your traditional uh, IRA 401k account. Then the second part of the triangle is putting money within a, uh, you know, a tax-free type of account. That's your Roths, um, HSAs. Um, and then a third is, um, you know, money outside of your, um, savings account that are more for short-term goals. Okay. And that's just a, you know, an individual or a joint account. And a lot of people don't even know you can set one of those up. Um, and by having it in these three different categories, uh, I call it the, the tax triangle because uh, you can now navigate through taxes in retirement if you have uh, money in all these buckets. Okay. And when I say that, a great example is, um, let's say you're a married couple and, and I can't remember what the standard deduction is, but let's say $25,000. So pretty much the government is saying as a married couple, we're not going to tax you on the first $25,000 of income. Okay. Let's just make it easy. Um, any money that comes out of a 401k in retirement, uh, or a traditional IRA is taxable. So if you take 20,000 out, you're taxed at 20,000. Mm-hmm. That's when you're withdrawing it in your retirement. Correct. Okay. Yep. Uh, if you take money out before 59 and a half for either a traditional or a Roth, uh, normally you're triggered to a 10% penalty. Okay. Um, if there's certain different rules with Roth IRAs, but we don't need to go into that sure. right now. Um, but getting back to, so they're not going to tax you on the first 24,000 in today's okay. tax rates. Okay. Um, so let's say you take 20,000 out in retirement. So you're 65 now, let's say that yep. you take 20,000 out of your traditional, that's all taxable. Okay. Uh, but you need to live off 80,000. So you pull the other 60,000 out of your Roth. Well, because none of your Roth money is taxable sure. and you only pull 20,000 your traditional, well, because your first 20,000 isn't taxable, you just pulled 20,000 out of your IRA without having to pay any taxes. Nice. And you pulled 80 grand out, uh, in retirement without no taxes. It's, it's by having these different buckets, you're able to do that. Now, Mm -hmm. if I came to you or you came to me and at age, you know, 60, all you've put money in all these pre-tax accounts, your 401k, not much you can do. Uh, you know, there's, there's Roth conversions in the future, but if you only have money in that account, type an account, you're very limited on, on navigating taxes in retirement because you only have one bucket to pull from. Okay. Okay. Uh, so there's the Roth, the traditional side. So pre-tax traditional Roth is after tax. Uh And then those two accounts you can't touch till 59 and a half. Mm -hmm. Now that individual account joint account, uh, that's kind of your money taxed as you go. So there is no 59 and a half. You can pull that out at any time. Think of it as a, a savings account you can invest in. So instead of just having it sit in a savings account, making that generous bank interest rate that they give you (laughs) point something. Yeah. Um, you know, that couple pennies you see kind of trickle in, (laughs) um, you can invest in, you know, uh, stocks, mutual funds, ETFs within a individual or joint account. 
um, that you're putting that money to work. Mm -hmm. Uh, A great example is I'm working with someone right now um, that wanted to use that account because they wanted to start saving for a down payment on a house. Oh, okay. Well, they're not going to put that money in a, in their 401k or Roth because they can't touch it till 59 and a half. Sure. Uh, her goal wasn't to buy a house at age 60. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was right. to, you know, purchase it in sometimes in twenties or thirties. Okay. So we started putting money in this account and having it work more towards, uh, that goal, uh, put it in the certain investments that fit her, um, time horizon of when she wanted that money by. And, uh, when that time comes, we're going to end up withdrawing that money. She sure. might've put 20,000 in, uh, but maybe it grew to 27,000. Mm-hmm. So now she just made 7,000 in the market. Yeah. And now she's able to take that whole amount. That money worked for her. Yeah. Paying um, closing costs or something. Exactly. So, yeah. The extra fees. And, then, and that would be that joint account. There's no limit to the amount of money that you could put into something like that. That's, right? that's correct. Only retirement accounts have that cap. Okay. Okay. Uh, but those individual joint accounts are, you know, you could mm-hmm. put as much as you want in one of those. Sure. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's excellent advice, but I think also a perfect example of why, you know, you should talk to somebody who knows what they're doing. Right. Cause I'd never come up with that on my own. Yeah. They're like, yeah, retirement account. Okay. I'm doing good. But to really comprehend all these different tax rules and laws and, and the lingo and stuff like that. That's again, going back to what we said, like having a professional knows what tech they're doing is, is huge, huge, huge when it comes to this stuff. Yeah. Um, but, and that's just, that's just one example of why it would be worthwhile to, <laughs> to hire somebody. Who knows yeah. What doing. It's the same thing. I, I think of people that do their own taxes. Um, it actually worries me um, for the amount of people. It worries I, me because I think they're crazy. Like, why would you want to sit around? Like, not just TurboTax. Like, actually, like, they sit down with the IRS documents and they do their own taxes. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. I mean, to the point where they're not even sure how taxes work. Uh, they think a refund means that uh, they just made a lot of money. Um, where they don't know the basic tax basic tax and they're doing their own tax returns and it just blows my mind. Um, it's like hire a professional, you know, many of them, you know, if you just have a basic tax return, it's going to be pretty basic, not a lot of cost. Uh but yeah, if your situation gets complex, it's going to cost a lot more, but Mm -hmm. then you're going to want to talk to someone about it. More important to, because you're, you're going to be blind to so much stuff. Like, yeah. There's going to be all these things that you don't even know exist uh, when it comes to laws and you got to do this with the claiming. Uh, yeah. Just. I've had people with their own, uh, you know, stock investment accounts similar. Like they already had an individual or, or joint account set up. Mm-hmm. You know, they sell all their positions because they're not doing well or did very well. And then, uh, you know, they're not putting it in. Um, into their taxes that they sold this. So they're not, you know, saying that they (laughs) had these capital gains and then they, they wonder why they get an IRS letter in the mail (laughs) saying, Hey, uh, yeah, uh, you owe something. (laughs) So I, same thing. Uh, you know, there's a professional that can help you with everything. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go, like I said, and fix my, you know, car that's not working. Um, cause I don't know the answer. And if anything, I'm going to make it worse. Well, you can make your financial situation <laughs> worse quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, same as, you know, anything tax or, yep. um, I know you might work with an accountant as well. 
uh, might help with payroll. I know some businesses yeah. have that as well. Oh, for sure. The, just the calculations and that, that I just get a number and I pay my guys that. Yeah. And that's <laughs> good that's, to go. That's well, well worth the money spent again, back to that. Like what's the value of an hour for me and what could I actually accomplish? You know, doing something I know nothing about in yeah. an hour. Like, yeah, it does. It, it, 100% is the way to go. And, um, it, it's also, it, it's been really nice to get out and like meet other professionals too, that like yourself and the people in the accounting office and stuff like that. And like, it's nice to know people who are passionate about what they do and they really know their stuff. I, I like to, I like to see that. And I like to meet those people too. So mm-hmm. it, it's been it, venturing into business ownership. I've really enjoyed getting to meet the different people. I got an insurance guy yeah. too. And yeah, it's, it's been pretty cool. Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, that's how you build networks as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I've met you got a guy for everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and they're, you know, looking out for you. Yep. Um, yep. and sometimes that can be hard to find, Oh, for sure. Uh, but when you have it, it, you know, the stressors of owning a business are hard enough. Why not take some of those and, and, uh, have someone else take it on for you. Yeah, for um, sure. What else do we got here, Sean? I don't know. What do we want to go through? What else do we want to cover? Um, I didn't go in order at all. Yeah, no, that's that's fine. That's my style. I usually just wing it. So, Um, I think just how much to invest is a good question. Yeah, is there a percentage of your income? Yeah, that makes sense for people. And you know, when we talk about that, it really depends where you are. Like, are you in your twenties, thirties, you know, forties, fifties, sixties? So you know, earlier in your career, you're going to have a lot more time. Mm -hmm. So a lot more years to put money in. Yeah. So when we're looking early, a good rule of thumb: fifteen percent of your income. Mm-hmm. And when I look at that, I, I look at gross income. So you might realize on your, or notice on your pay stub, there's there's the money that you're paid versus the money that you actually receive. Mm-hmm. Gross is that, that largest amount that you see on your paycheck. Mm-hmm. And I always say, take 15% of that. That's mm-hmm. how much you should try to put into different savings okay. uh, amounts. Now, if you're you know, 50, 60 years old and you're a little behind, you haven't saved as much. Uh Well, we might have to boost that up, you know, 20, 30%, 50%. We hope we don't have to go there, but, um, sometimes it is based off your, your current living situation. Mm -hmm. So if you're at a hundred, you know, you need a hundred thousand dollars a year. Well, you know, let's think of a a million dollar account. Okay. A hundred thousand goes into a million, 10 times. If you retire at 60, um, there's a good chance you don't have enough income to, or a big, a big enough nest egg to draw off of, uh, you know, from 60 to age, let's say you live till age 90 at a hundred thousand dollars on that. Yeah. That's a, uh, issue if you want to look at it that way, but the people who are 20 now have a very good chance if things keep progressing to live, quite a bit longer than somebody who is 80 years old right now. Right? Yeah. In some of my retirement plans, I'm planning for 110, 120 years old. Yeah. Which, uh, for my younger clients. I mean, it definitely could be a thing. You know, you think about the rate at which technology is improving right now and it's only going to get more. Yeah. The life expectancy could go way up and then all of a sudden you're, your retirement plan that was, you know, okay, yeah, maybe I'll live till 90 or something. Or you got another 20 years to, yeah. what, what do you do? That, that, um, again, 
an issue depending on how you look at it, but in just the regards of financials, like that could be an issue. Um, hard to predict. Like you don't know what's going to happen, obviously. Yeah. But that's it, it, interesting to think about too, especially if you're young. I guess if I was, if I was in my early twenties, I would be thinking about like, wow, yeah, how long am I going to live? Yeah. That's always the hard thing. Cause you know, when you talk about these retirement accounts with someone who's 20 years old, well, that's forever. That's forever. Who cares, yeah. man? Yeah. Why are we wasting our time? Yeah. Yeah. It's, so, but it comes up quick. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, I, uh, almost 30 now and I'm, I, you know, when I was 18, I was like, well, 25 seems like decades away, oh, for sure. but as you grow older, it, it just seems like time yeah, moves faster. It, so it does. And it doesn't slow down. And somewhere usually for people in their thirties to forties, that time horizon kind of flips, right? Like you're young and you have forever and things are way off and you got all the time in the world to do everything that you need to. And then all of a sudden, Oh, okay. Well, it's not that far away. I only have so many decades mm-hmm. and, a decade went by relatively <laughs> quickly, like, oh, okay. So th- there's only, you know, this much time. And so, yeah, then you start thinking about stuff differently. Right. And then that's when people are usually starting to think about retirement because when you're 40, well, 20 years, that's not that far away. Yeah. You know, I really got to start thinking about this, but when you're, you're 20, 60 is like a life, it literally a couple lifetimes away. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's obvious, but hopefully some of this, that we're talking about, you know, is advice for that younger person to at least consider it. Like, yeah. You don't have to think about when you're going to retire and die, but, no. but you know, do your future self a favor and, yeah. and set yourself up. That's, that's the big thing. And that was the one thing, you know, when we talk about that individual account, it was actually something I personally set up and it helped me, uh, put money to work to help, you know, purchase the house that I have now. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was, diligent of putting money in every month yeah. uh, into this account because I knew what I, I wanted to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always say, you know, finances should be a, a proactive thing that you should always be focusing on, mm-hmm. not a reactive thing Sure, where it's yeah. like you said, you're now 50, 60 mm-hmm. and you realize you're behind yep. uh, because now you have to save a lot more and work a lot harder where mm-hmm. you could have saved less earlier. Yeah. yeah. Not thought about it. And even like you say, having that emergency fund, right? So that you're prepared. You don't know what's going to happen, but something's going to happen. Yeah. You can be prepared rather than, oh, crap, I need to get together $5,000. How am I going to do this? Exactly. I got to borrow it. Oh, I got to do a credit card. Oh, credit card. Uh, Credit cards are, you know, um, everything's going so digital. No one handles cash anymore, Mm -hmm. uh, which make the credit cards even, in my opinion, quite scary. Yeah. Um, Especially if they don't have that financial background they just think know how to be responsible with it exactly it's it's a powerful tool um i I mean and if you work it to your advantage it's it makes you money but you got to be responsible with it and you got to understand the how quick it can get out of control yeah 24 percent interest and yeah yeah when we think that you know in in stocks you know the s&p 500 is average you know nine you know between eight and ten percent in the long term you know, like you said, for paying off credit cards at a 20% interest rate, yeah, yeah, there's no way you can beat it. Right, uh, right. It's just one of those things you, you know, credit card debt is the demise of many people mm-hmm. and you just got to, you know, bite it in the, bite it in the butt before it gets uh, out yeah. of hand. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess one, one pointer um, I would like to give 
people listening today is make things automatic. Um, a lot of times it's, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it next week. I'll do it next month. Yep. Set it up today. Yep. Uh, and make it automatic where it's automatically coming out of your, your checking savings account. Yep. Um, you know, it's why people save a lot in their 401ks. Uh, yep. it's automatically taken out of their you paycheck. You don't even notice it. Once you're doing it, you don't even notice it. That's the thing. Exactly. I mean, that's also on the flip side of things. That's why like all these streaming companies and subscription services do so well. Cause you don't even notice it. It's going exactly. Out of account and you're like, wait, I have six streaming services. I don't even know how to log into that. <laughs> yeah. One, I haven't know? logged into that one in forever. I don't even know the yeah. password. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly it. Yeah. Uh, make it seamless. And mm-hmm. 401ks are easy cause they set it up for you, but it's, it's easy for accounts that you set up yourself or advisors help you do it all the time. Yep. Say a certain amount that you want to put in 200. Mm-hmm. I know uh, clients of mine, you know, for one, we started at a hundred, we moved to two, mm-hmm. we moved to three. We're now at four hundred dollars a month. Um, and it's just automatically going in and it's, um, we look back at it now and, and, uh, this clients couldn't believe what they've put away in investments and this is just over a three to four year span yep um this is like i said that's the one piece of advice i hope everyone takes away make it automatic get started early because that's that's the name of the game cool i think that's a a good point to wrap this up so yeah i uh i appreciate you spending the time and offering the the knowledge that you have so thank you yeah you're welcome um i'll put the uh you want to put that tax triangle in the show notes for uh today's episode yeah Uh, so uh if anyone listening today wants to check it out i'll put it in there um and then uh there i can put my email as well if anyone has additional questions or just needs some help um just some guidance Uh, i'll leave an email in there they can shoot over some questions does that sound good Sounds great. All right. Thanks, Sean. Thank you. All right. All right. That's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you, Vince, for spending the time with me. Really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully everybody gets something out of that. Really important information. Um, also like to thank everybody out there for listening and all the feedback on the show. Uh, say, don't forget, if you want to win a free automotive diagnostic podcast t-shirt, All you got to do is leave a review on Apple Podcasts or leave a comment on our YouTube channel. We do have a YouTube channel under the same name, so check that out if you haven't already. But with all that stuff out of the way, let's get out there and start fixing the world one car at a time.